This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Uh, but we're starting a series called Into the Neighborhood. And uh, I, I'm just going to tell you, and you've had these moments. You've had these moments where you didn't want to be bothered with people. Would you just raise your hand? You just, it, I, I need a moment to myself. Just raise your hands right now. Yeah, I didn't want to be bothered with people. And especially when you come home from work. I love the drive home after work, right? Whatever you're in the mood to listen to. Sometimes it's the dance by Garth Brooks. And I'm just, I'm, I'm unwinding. And because you hear me talk about this a lot with marriage that, uh, I want my home to be an Engedi. An Engedi uh, is a lush desert oasis. Great word picture from the Old Testament in the Song of Solomon. And so the world throws plenty at us, and we're dealing with people all day. When we come home, it's that place to find rest and rejuvenation and relax, relax and be replenished. And so a couple weeks ago, I pulled into the driveway, and at the end of the driveway, I stop all the time and get the mail. How many of you, getting the mail is still one of those last little joys in life. And uh, it's usually, I get the mail and it's surrounded by all of Amy's Amazon boxes. And, uh, but I get the mail and then I go, and I, I get the mail and I know we've had all sorts of new people move into our neighborhood, all from California, uh, Portland and Seattle. And, and I hear the truck coming behind me slowing down. And I'm just going to tell you what my inner voice was saying. This was my inner voice because you've been there too. I'm like, please don't stop. Please don't stop. Please don't stop. And he stops. And I'm like, oh, I should probably say hi to my new neighbor. Hey. And we get, and I love, I love great conversations, but I was tired. I was kind of done. And I had just worked all day on a message on how to treat your neighbors. (laughs) And, and it was exhausting. I don't know if you appreciate how to care for neighborhoods. And I'm sitting there going, I just wrote about this, but I don't want to practice it. And so if, you know, I invited him, if he's here today, I hope you feel welcome uh, as part of this service. But, but isn't it something, I don't know what makes you feel uncomfortable, but I, I want you to think about that for just a moment. Amy and I were talking about it this week, that, that uncomfortable feeling we have, and I don't think there's anything wrong with using that term, uncomfortable, that uncomfortable feeling you have if you've ever landed in a foreign country. We've landed in Tanzania, we've landed in Haiti, We've landed in, in France. And why, why is it uncomfortable immediately? Well, it's, it, it's uncomfortable at first because you don't know the language. And I'm uncomfortable when I land in Tanzania because I'm like, okay, I don't know it. But then Bob Dodson picks me up and drives and, oh, he knows the language. He knows the culture. He knows the customs. So I'm going to be able to get along. And when we get stopped by the police six times on the way back to uh, his house, uh, he's going to know what to do. Because we get uncomfortable with people that don't talk like us people that don't look like us, people that don't fit our culture or our customs. We can be uncomfortable with people who don't vote like us. Can I get an amen on that one? We can get uncomfortable with people who don't share our values or our worldview. You've been uncomfortable around people who have a mental health crisis. I have a friend, he's the, he leads the American Association of Christian Counselors. He says, we don't have an Amer- a, a, a mental health crisis right now, Ted. We have a mental health disaster in our country. And the reason when we get around someone with a mental illness or a mental health issue that we get uncomfortable is because we don't know what to do. We don't feel equipped. If you have a family member or a friend who's going through a divorce, 
right? We tend to get uncomfortable because we don't know what to say. And that's why this series, it comes to us from John chapter 1, verse 14. The message paraphrase says it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we're going to study the life of Jesus for the next couple of months and watch how he dwelt among men. Because that may be what your translation says. Became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It means God became man and came into humanity. Jesus uniquely and thoroughly identified with us. And that's what we want to learn. We want, as as one of our elders said today, I love it, we want to make sure we know our orthodoxy, but this is really a series about orthopraxy. That we would move into the neighborhood and not just say we believe the good news, but live the good news and share the good news with those who we may not be comfortable around. We want to look at that. Here's why. We tend to avoid people who make us uncomfortable. When we see them coming, we go the other way. We see this. We tend to avoid it. And you see this in the life of Jesus. And we're going to see it for the next several weeks. The Pharisees would often remind Jesus, hey, you shouldn't be comfortable around those people right there. Even the disciples did the same thing. When the children, you shouldn't, nope, second class citizens. You shouldn't be comfortable around these people. In John chapter 4, we read the story of the woman at the well, and we're going to cover a whole Sunday on this, but I kept coming back to it as I was studying for this series, because there's one line that struck me. Not only did the Pharisees and the disciples constantly want to remind Jesus who he should and should not be with, and who he should or should not be amongst, okay? The people he tried to minister to told him the same thing. You get this from the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman said to him, after Jesus asked for a drink of water, The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. You shouldn't be doing this. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus was constantly being told the people he shouldn't be with. The people he shouldn't be, right, identifying with and and investing in and ministering to. And here's the bottom line. This is going to go throughout the entire series And it's going to be the main point of the entire series. Jesus went out of his way to spend time with the people we go out of our way to avoid. Jesus went out of his way to spend time with the people we go out of our way to avoid. I heard a pastor years ago say, Jesus crosses the street to meet with people that you and I cross the street to get away from. That we would get good at at going into the neighborhood... And today, we're going to look at four people that we've become uncomfortable with. And we're going, to, we're going to ease back into this first one, because this really, this first point is for a lot of folks that are watching. This is our church at home main point. But Jesus spent a lot of time with crowds. Jesus gathered enormous crowds. Why? Because he, he was the good news. People brought their friends to see Jesus because they wanted Jesus to heal them. Right? So he gathered enormous crowds, but this has become an evil word over the last 12 months. Hadn't I heard it yesterday. Three, three things. It was a public service announcement out of Springfield. Wear a mask, wash your hands, and avoid... Ah, it's been bugging me the way the crowds have been treated because we've been meeting since May, and I want to say, Woodland Hills Family Church, you've done a great job at keeping people safe through this pandemic. 
But now things are changing. Things are changing. And I just, as we talk about crowds, we want to help our friends who are getting vaccinated find their way back in because it's been a year away from crowds. And we all have a role to play in this. But let's first look at Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. It's always been a part of our strategy here at this church. We gather crowds on Sunday. Last, you know, last Easter, it was brutal. I'm going to be real honest with you. We didn't meet last Easter. There was 10 of us in here. 10 of us spread out in 750 seats like a Joe Biden campaign rally. And nope, we're going to talk about that attitude in a second. Stop it. And you stop it. We want to make the Democrats feel comfortable. And you got to get good at being comfortable on other people. Treasure Lake's always going to be troublemakers on the front row. But then last week, we had 2,500 people. We went from 10 to 2,500. I don't know if we're one of the largest churches in America. But no, I'm just, we're not. We're not one of the fastest growing. I'm assuming every church in America is the fastest growing church in America right now. But... There was excitement on campus. People were coming. People were coming to hear the good news, the resurrection of Jesus and the power of the resurrection available to all of us. Not only did Jesus spend time in large crowds and attract large crowds. I'm here to tell you, isn't it something? 2,000 years later, Jesus is still gathering enormous crowds. People who want to come and celebrate and hear the good news proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, this is what I want for all of us, and we have to spend some time with it today. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, it looks like in Branson on Tuesday... More than likely, unless something changes, all of the restrictions will be lifted. And let's see, I'm judging the... Look at him. He's like, he already corrected me. I'm not going to clap right now. Here's what I like about restrictions being lifted. It allows everybody to make decisions. And let me tell you, some you're still going to go into stores that have signs that say, please wear a mask. But the restrictions being lifted changes a lot for our church. And we want to let everybody at home know what that's going to look like so you can ease back into the crowd. So we've been doing this for a year. We have honored all decisions, right? Vaccinate to not vaccinate. You wear a mask, you don't wear a mask, whatever service you can. We've been honoring all decisions. And the restrictions being lifted just allows everybody to make their own decision. Okay, so you're going to make your own decision. We're going to take, if it lifts Tuesday or it doesn't and it goes to next month. But whenever it lifts, the Sunday after it lifts, we're going to put all the signs on campus in the COVID closet. Can you believe we have a COVID? But can you believe we even have to have a closet with the word COVID on it? But we're going to save it. You're like, we'll never need it again. Live by faith. We're going to use wisdom uh, as well. But we're putting everything in the COVID closet. And here's what it's going to look like. 8.30 a.m. service at Woodland Hills is still going to be socially distant. Okay, we're going to have all of these straps here in the castle and everything's going to be distant for the people who still want some space and they don't feel their vaccine has kicked in yet. Okay, at the 10 o'clock service, all these straps are coming up and 10 and 11.30, there'll be no social distance. Now, again, you get to make decisions. This is what I love. I, I told Amy the other day, if one more adult tells me to wash my hands... 
I'm going to stab him in the neck with a fork. I'm so tired. I'm, a, I'm 47 years old. I don't need one more person telling me to wash. I've been washing my hands since I was a small child. And I know some of you have, and I hope you've learned this new hygiene tip. I, I I, There's nothing to knock on, but I haven't had the flu in my life. And it's, I think it's because I wash my hands. Wash your darn hands. And we're done saying that. I'm not going to have a sign in the bathroom. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. I'll step up on my stool and wash my hands. No, just be an adult. I'm sorry, you're making me get worked up. It's Treasure Lake. I blame all of you. Bunch of RVers. All that to say, we honor all decisions, but not all attitudes. And some of you, you got to work on your attitude a little bit. You're like, us? <laughs> you. Uh, but here's the bottom line. Because we're going to this 8.30 and then 10 and 11.30 will not be. You still get to make decisions. You can come to 8.30. We're going to try our best to accommodate all decisions for a while, but we don't know how long we can do that. So if you're really nervous about crowds, get the vaccine. And you're like, I don't want the vaccine. And I want a socially distant service. I don't know how long we're going to be able to accommodate all, but you can come. And there's still, I love, I love what y'all have done with this campus and our staff and volunteers. You've, you've, you have places everywhere for people to spread out. And we, <laughs> we want you to get back to the crowd. And we want you to, to get back to inviting your friends and family to the crowd. And Amy's like, well, what are you going to do with the attitudes? I said, we need to empower the moms. Anybody remember? You just need a good couple of moms in every service to deal with the attitudes. What'd your mom say? What'd your mom say when you had attitude growing up? Knock it off. Or I'll knock you into the middle of next week. I don't know what Wednesday was always about, but mom was always knocking me to Wednesday. My mom would say, you knock it off, knock the attitude off, or I'm knocking you to kingdom come. That was my favorite. I'm knocking you to when Jesus returns and establishes this earthly kingdom. (laughs) So I want to encourage every mom in here next week to bring. (laughs) Let me tell you something. That right there is a good mom. She brought a spatula to church. Raise your hand if you've ever been spanked by a kitchen utensil. Yeah, look around. That's a good mom. That's a good... I don't... How many of you remember Renee Schleppler from last summer? He's one of my favorite pastors and speakers. He'll be joining us again in a couple of months. And he heard me do comedy last year. And he came up to me. He goes, man, I want you... He's from California. He goes, I want you to come to California and do your comedy. But you can't do any of those spanking jokes. And I said, Renee, if any state right now needs spanking jokes... It's California. Maybe if you started whipping people again, they wouldn't all be moving to Branson. Can I get an amen on that one? And then we'll work our way up the coast. We'll hit Oregon and Washington. But anyway, how many of you still flinch when you walk into a bathroom or into a a kitchen? I do. That mom's ready. So bring your spatulas next week. And if you get any attitude from saying, just whap them a good one. And here's why it's important. Because it's not just about you. It's not just about you moving into the neighborhood and moving into the crowd. It's about inviting friends and family. It's always been part of our heart here at Woodland Hills. We want to see people come and gather and hear the good news as the good news is proclaimed of the kingdom. In Matthew, we read, great crowds came to him. 
They didn't come just for their own. They came bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. We've got to get back to a place where we're comfortable in a crowd. And there's a second person that we need to move into the neighborhood with. Jesus spent time with the sick. Jesus spent time with the sick. I shared this last week in the Easter message, but it's Sight and Sound does a phenomenal job with this word picture of, uh, and this story, this narrative of Jesus moving in. And just again, how the disciples were like, no, we don't do that. We don't. We don't go near those people. And we read this in verses 1 through 4 of Matthew 8. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And just so you know, all throughout this series, we're introducing it today with the crowd, with the sick, with the sinner, with the child. And we're going we're gonna to spend time each week and watch how Jesus ministered to and how he moved into the neighborhood and identified with and spent time with each one of these. But the bottom line is this. I know we've been caring for the sick a lot of different ways. You've heard us say this. There's a lot of ways to love your neighbor. A lot of people last years, and I, I, I was frustrated when I would hear pastors say, even on national news, we don't need to meet. No, we need to meet. I wish they would have said, we need to meet, we just can't meet right now. So there was a lot of things you did, and, and I'm just going to say this, get me in trouble, but uh, there's a lot of things you did to care for people that no one had to tell you to do. You, you know, we shut down. No government official told us to shut down that Sunday. Many of you shut down businesses in your theaters before being told to because you were told this was the safe thing. You were caring for people at that point. And remember, we are called to care for the sick, not fear them. And if I can encourage you, what does that look like? There's just a couple ways. I'm trying to make sure this is super practical. For some, I'm going to tell you, if the mandate is lifted on Tuesday, I'm still going to carry a mask. I still believe I'll be wearing it a lot. And you're like, well, why? Well, because there's going to be people. I do this when I meet with a couple. I walk in with it and I ask them, would you like me to wear a mask? It's just, a, just be kind. Would you like me to wear a mask? I don't even think with a lot of people you need to ask. As you approach them, you can tell they would prefer I have this on. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because following Jesus means way more to me than my rights for freedom. I should say that again because I just kind of popped out. Uh, <laughs> wasn't. Following Jesus matters a lot more to me than protecting my personal freedoms and rights. And, and I'm gonna, there'll be stores I want to go in that still have a sign that says, hey, you got to wear this, and, and I want food. I'll wear it in. I, it, was, it was a little, this is where it gets a little ridiculous. I was at Indian Clay Oven, four feet from the door. And we got done eating, and I mean, I wish I would have videoed it. I went... There we go. Just protected the city. <laughs> but anyway, you're like, Ted, quit mocking. Anyway, this is, we're supposed to do this when we're not being filmed. I, I know that. Uh, 
But I want to encourage you, ministering to the sick and, and caring for people, I just would encourage you. You're, I know some of you are like, we're doing a mass burning party, but some of you are going to need it around town still. And when you travel, I'm still traveling, so I've got to keep it because I still go on airplanes and I'm probably going to have to wear this on an airplane until 2027. <laughs> but that's one way. But there's another way that I've just, I've been in, 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 intrigued by. I think we not, need to get back to learning how to say this right here after someone sneezes. God bless you. Like, make your first reaction when you hear a sneeze in public be, God bless you, wherever you hear it. Have you ever done that? You know, somebody sneezes and you just say, God bless you. But now someone sneezes and we all look, is your face mask covering your nose and mouth? <laughs> let's get, let's just, get, let's get back to like common kindness and courtesy as we care for, we're not called to fear people. As followers of Jesus, we're moving into the neighborhood to minister to people and to care for people. Jesus spent time in crowds. He spent time with the sick. And how about this one? He spent time with sinners. Do you have someone in your life that regularly uses the F word? If you don't, I'm going to argue, you probably aren't spending much time with sinners. I'm just saying. Do you have someone that uses foul language? Yeah, and I can't stand to be around him. Then this one's for you that you would, would learn what it means. But it's very important because sometimes we twist the scripture. We want to look at this. We know that Jesus is a friend of sinners and he ate with sinners, but this is what we read in Matthew 9, 10 through 13. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, we're going to have a whole week on this as well, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, so here we go again. There's another example of shouldn't be doing this. This goes against our cultural norms and the way we do things. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Be real careful here because a lot of people have twisted this. I want to show you the the drift that we get into away from this. But 100% whole truth from this text is this. Jesus ate with sinners. That is true. 100%. But we tend to twist it. And here's the drift. And here's where we end up. And I've, I watch people do this online often. We say things like, Jesus loved a good party. Mm, is, that, is that what you get from that text? Jesus loved to party? Because it doesn't stop there. It moves into uh, Jesus was more interested in showing love than taking sides. You hear pastors say that. They'll say it often. Uh, Let's make sure the community knows what we're for, not what we're against. No, we're supposed to do both. Right? We're supposed to be clear on this and not ambiguous in any sort of way. Because then it ends up going to this. Jesus always sided with religious outsiders. Pastor Kevin DeYoung talks about this whole progression like this. It's a whole truth being used for a half-truth in the service of a lie. And this is what we do. Jesus ate with sinners turns into Jesus partied with sinners. No. Pastor DeYoung goes on to say this. Jesus was a friend of sinners not because he winked at sin, ignored sin, or enjoyed lighthearted revelry with those engaged in immorality. Jesus was a friend of sinners 
and that he came to save sinners and was very pleased to welcome sinners who were open to the gospel, sorry for their sins, and on their way to putting their faith in him. And this is a passion of ours at this church, that you would spend time with people far from God. Daniel Forrester puts it this way. Jesus hung out with outcasts because he was creating a model of how to build his church, one lost sheep at a time. Jesus did not operate within the parameters dictated by his culture. Everybody was constantly pushing the cultural norms on Jesus. And Jesus said, no, watch, this is how it works. And that's why we're doing this whole series is so that we can see how it works, take very practical steps from Jesus and go into the neighborhood with them as we work with those who are sick, as we work with those who are lost, as we work with the children in every neighborhood has children. He sought the crippled and disease-ridden and any whom society had deemed unworthy, disreputable, and morally wrong in their lifestyle choices. They were the ones who were lost, lonely, and in pain and willing to admit it. He even surrounded himself with a ragtag group of sinners to be his inner circle. The disciples, and even within that, Jim, Pete, and John, um, there's three, I have three friends and they're going to never be named. You'll never find out who they are. And we have a text thread that, that means much. It, it is an important, an important uh, group of friends in my life. It, it truly is. And they're a rough group. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The text thread actually at the top, this group is called Rough Fisherman Group. And it, it was coined that way because there were some things going on in this text thread. I go, this is getting, somebody said, and I, I always hate this, somebody said, it's getting a little rough. Remember, preacher's on here. And one friend caught me last year, or recently, I'll say, that when I want to post something online, but I don't think it's something a pastor should post, I send it to him hoping he'll do it. And he caught me. He caught me. He said, you're living vicariously through my post. I go, I am. Is that wrong? That is wrong. That's the flesh. I repent. And so I'm not going to do that as often. And, uh, but, but I, I, I told, they said, they were always trying to like, let's clean up. And I said, hey, I just want to remind you guys of Jim, Pete, and John, James, Pete, and John, Jim, Pete, and John. I go, you guys are Jim, Pete, and John. I go, I love spending time with you. Because you're that rough fisherman that Jesus hung out with. Like 10 seconds later, one of the guys in the group named the group Rough Fisherman Group. And I got to ask you, do you have a rough fisherman group? Do you? Because I've, I've met with people that go, I would never, they use too much foul language. It's time for you to bring your nose down just a little bit and move into the neighborhood. Why? Because we got to stop expecting lost people to act like saved people. This is key. We've got to stop act, expecting lost people to act like saved people. And that's why for the lost among us today in this crowd, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. We hope that the, the gospel of Jesus has been proclaimed to you. Whenever you started coming here, you've heard the good news of Jesus and how he died and rose again. And you're going to soon place faith in him. We long for that. And that's why... It's why I love what Joe White always says. He says we, that I smell marijuana when I come into this place. That's such a joy to my soul. Not because he wants to get high, but because what? Because he knows that this is a church and you have a desire and a passion to bring your lost friends to this place. 
to bring those who need Jesus. So we have to stop expecting lost people to act like saved people, but we, we should always expect saved people to not act like lost people. Be a friend of sinners, but don't wink at it. Don't join into it. Right? Minister, move into the neighborhood. And there's a last, a last person we are uncomfortable with, and I hear this often. <laughs> Jesus spent time with children. Jesus spent time with children. I don't know if you have a friend like this. I have two friends. I, I, I said in the first service, I have one friend, and then somebody reminded me, Did, were you meaning so-and-so? I go, no, but that is another person. That when our family's been together, as we've been raising our kids, and this individual is approaching us, he never starts by addressing Amy and I. He never comes straight to us. And he often, I have one friend that we've had dinner with, and I'm going to say we talked maybe two or three sentences, but the whole meal was this guy engaging my children. And I, just, I love that picture because when children approach, he gets down like this on their level and he engages them. And that's the picture we have of Jesus. And Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. So they didn't just bring the sick, they brought their kids. And in that day, second-class citizens. And the disciples, here we are again, the disciples had to remind Jesus, yep, nope, you shouldn't be doing this. And so it says what? The disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now this whole text has been put on on beautiful painted artwork. You've seen it in Christian bookstores and it is a terrible representation of this text right here because you always have Jesus sitting on a rock under a tree holding a child like this. (laughs) Do you get that from this? I want the picture of Jesus with a child on his lap blessing the child. I want Jim, Pete, and John back here and I want Jesus... uh, This is the expression I want on his face. (laughs) Right? That... Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was angry with them for holding the children back. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. And children have always been a big deal at this church. And always will be. You, you gave last year uh, well over $100,000 to meet the physical needs of students just in our area. You gave almost that same amount to meet the physical needs of children in Haiti. You support Bob and Dee Dotson who have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids, if not thousands, come to know the Lord in the last year through their Highlands camp there in Tanzania. We are a church that will always care for kids and prioritize kids. I remember when Carson was like two or three a couple in our church invited us to lunch at IHOP. And so this was probably, what, I guess 12, 13 years ago. And it just so happened in the booth that Carson ended up sitting by the guy. And and I could tell the guy did not want to sit by a two or three-year-old. And Carson was here and he was here and his wife was here. And I'll I'll never forget, as soon as he sat down, he kind of angled like this. Now that's welcoming right there. When the food came, he used his arm as a divider to keep Carson's mess and food away from him. Now, I know children can sometimes make a mess. (laughs) But that has always stuck with me. Guess what? Children are messy. 
serving children in our ministry at times. I hear the stories. We were talking about it last night. Working with, especially last week at Easter, working with a lot of children can be chaotic. It can drive people crazy. But guess what? It is a worthy calling. And some of you are like, I'm not comfortable with kids. It's not my thing. Well, maybe this is who Jesus is calling you to in this series to cross the street to bless. I know in a room this size and maybe even at 8.30, there's that person in here that's like, the kids in the neighborhood just annoy you. Well, as you move into the neighborhood, maybe that annoyance is going to turn to a ministry. And instead of complaining about the way they run around the neighborhood, you see it as a, as a good thing. And so that's the question as we, we end. Who will you go out of your way to spend time with this week? Who will you go out of your way? Do you know someone who's still, uh, maybe they've been sick, and, and I, I know we, we have family members that months and months after having COVID are still dealing with it. Who do you need to do a custom door dash for that you just need to go drop some food and ring the doorbell? Uh, for those watching, I, I, I do, I, I just posted it to say hi to all of you, but man, I hope to see you one day soon in the crowd. Who will you go out of your way to ease back into it? For those of you who you're, you live in a little bit of a bubble and you don't have lost friends that you spend time with, that you, you would not expect them to act like saved people, but engage and spend time with them and care for them and minister to them. Others who have been looking for a place of ministry in this church, I am here to tell you, our children at this church, uh, they need you and they need your influence and they need your care. And I, I can't say it often enough, but that you would consider going out of your way. You're like, well, we prefer the 1130. Well, maybe going out of your way is coming and serving at 10. You're like, well, we like to get to brunch. Well, I'm going to stop my comments there. Because we're talking about going out of your way as you move into the neighborhood. Would you pray with me? Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we thank you for this time. And as Branson moves into a new phase, uh, that we would honor one another, that we would esteem each other as highly valuable, that we would care for one another, forgive one another, bear with one another as we move into uh, the summer months. And just grateful for how the numbers all across the country are way down since winter. And we ask that you continue to, to work in each individual and in each family, each state and across our nation and across the world. And that this COVID-19 would go away. Uh, we pray for uh, each and every family as they think through their neighborhoods. If they don't have neighbors nearby, that they would consider who it is that they can uh, go and be the hands and feet of Jesus to. That they can serve and they can love and they can care for and just teach us in this series. Open our hearts and minds uh, to the way Jesus ministered to people. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And for that, we are grateful. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. They would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that he has been raised from the dead, that they would be saved. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said...